This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon, May 25th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Earnings reports from several key retailers are out. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, today's economic data includes the tally on orders for durable goods. We're joined by Paul Christopher, the head of global market strategy of the Wells Fargo Investment Institute based in St. Louis. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Based on the uh, latest uh, numbers of durable goods orders, it kind of indicates that uh, despite all of these concerns and fears about uh, interest rate hikes and an upcoming recession, uh, business investment is still fairly robust. Yeah, that's right, Rob. I wouldn't read too much into it. These data are backward looking. The market, the reason why it's up and down, even so much on, on an intraday basis right now, is that the market's trying to figure out what's going to happen in the future. And in the future, it looks to us like manufacturing's rolling over. You had that report on housing. Housing is looking weaker to us. Discretionary consumer spending is at the nub of it, and we think that's going to weaken, and it's already weakening considerably faster than we had thought it would, uh, but it's going to weaken into year end. And then when it comes to uh, uh, you know, trying to square this particular number with the uh, manufacturing, uh, regional manufacturing surveys, uh, what can we make of uh, the report that came out today plus the numbers that came out last week? So the, the regional manufacturing surveys were a little weaker than expected. Uh, those have the ability, because they're asking people's opinions about things, they're not looking at backward-looking data, but you're asking purchasing managers to say, okay, what does the prospects for your business look like? They're, those people are looking forward. Those are more negative than the backward-looking data that just count the number of durable goods orders received, let's say, in the month of April, the month of March. So we put a little more confidence in those as forward-looking indicators. They, they tend to be more reliable indicators of what the market's going to do because the market's also looking forward. So we're seeing weakness in manufacturing. We're seeing manufacturing slowly roll over. What's, what's really more concerning even is that services, things like air travel and restaurant dining, those haven't spiked higher the way we thought they would and the way they did last year. So uh, take the whole, the totality of the picture. Realistically, we see a slowdown into year end and probably even a recession uh, at the end of this year into early next year, a mild recession. And then very quickly, what does this mean, though, as far as uh, inventories and supply chains are concerned? I mean, it's it's been topic A, B, and C uh, over the past yeah. year. And then, uh, you know, manufacturers uh, ramped up production to meet this uh, very sudden spike in demand uh, throughout 2021. Does this mean we're now going to have like a glut of supply going forward? Well, not quite. Uh, 
there's a real difference here between uh, supplies for industrial production, like the inventories that manufacturers or factories, those factories are building up inventories very slowly. They're still short. A lot of them products like semiconductors and, uh, and, uh, and if you look at the paint industry, coatings are very difficult to get a hold of. But if you look at the more the retail side, there's where the inventory stock is starting to build up as consumers start to stay home a little bit more, buy less when they do go to the store. Those inventories could have a whiplash effect whereby they continue to build as consumers stay home, and then you get a more depressing impact on the earnings picture and the economy. Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, shares of Kohl's are on the rise, and we'll find out why. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Nordstrom and Dick's Sporting Goods are among the top-tier retailers issuing earnings reports. Let's check in with Jan Rogers-Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers-Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Jan, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, When it comes to Dick's and when it comes to Nordstrom, it's a tale of two retailers telling two different stories. Uh, Let's start with Nordstrom, where uh, the sun is shining on the luxury uh, high-end retailer. The sun is shining on that part of the world. So if you're LVMH, if you're Gucci, if you're Macy's, if you're Nordstrom's, if you're Dillard's, that whole part of the world is seeing a strong consumer. And that's because we all want to go someplace. We all want to get on an airplane. We all want to go on vacation. We all want to go to the beach. And we all want to wear new apparel, new accessories, new shoes and new jewelry and new cosmetics when we do. And that side of the business has stayed strong and the consumer still seems to have plenty of money to spend where she wants to spend it, and that right now is where she wants to spend it. She's not buying furniture anymore. She's not buying big-ticket home at all, but she's moving right into putting it on her back and going someplace while she's wearing it. Meanwhile, Dick's Sporting Goods is uh, trimming its financial outlook of the year simple for the year just based on uncertain economic conditions and not really because of a dramatic drop-off in business. Well, they had a good first quarter, and they reported strong sales and strong earnings, but clearly they've seen something already this month that said that consumer's slowing down. Makes sense, right? The business was enormous in sporting goods and outdoor goods during COVID, and you can't repeat all of that again this year. So they've just been more conservative in their view, saying, gee, it could be down as much as 8% in sales, but it was up dramatically in 2021 20 and 2021. So we didn't think that was going to happen again. I don't find that at all surprising. And, you know, we saw tougher business at Walmart and Target, which was just broad based, but still their sales were good. It was the cost that have hurt most of these companies. And what's really happening now is the consumer is still spending pretty well and total spending since there's more people working and the wages are rising, total spending and the ability to spend is higher than the inflation individual you may not be making as much yourself as inflation increase but across the board as a group we're still making more than inflation so sales are holding up really well it's a question of where they go and can you afford the cost structure that's coming with it and then lastly there's Kohl's. Uh, their stock uh, going great guns these days because uh, there's a line of suitors out the door of their headquarters in uh, menominee falls wisconsin and given the report they had, that seems like the only reason. You know, they've, they, their business wasn't strong. Their costs were high. They've had a lot of executives walk out the door since all this started with 
you know, it's been a year now that they've been sort of in this mode of we might get sold. And then they had a whole lot of interested buyers. Then they released their earnings. Things got worse. Buyers walked away. It's like there's some buyers still there that have come back and said, well, maybe 55 to $62 is okay. And the stock price started to come back based on that. But they've had a real struggle. And that side of the business, Kohl's, Pennies, and on down, like I said, Walmart, you know, uh, those lower-end businesses are struggling more than upper-end businesses already. Jan Rogers-Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers-Niffin Worldwide in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, the return to the office proving to be very expensive for workers. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As workers return to the office, they're dealing with rising prices in multiple areas, including coffee breaks and lunches. We welcome in Izzy Karish, the president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us today. I have this vision of a uh, person who's been working from home for the last two years. They managed to finagle a raise out of their employer, thanks to the uh, great resignation, and they do that Bob Newhart commute downtown. They uh, get off the train, they walk down the street, there's a smile on their face, uh, they're flush with cash, and then they go get that lunch and a cup of coffee and maybe a beer after work, and then they're frowning on their way back to the train. What kind of sticker shock are office workers encountering as they uh, go back to their old haunts as they return to the office? Well, it really is sticker shock, especially if they haven't been back to the office since 2019. You know, we're not seeing, uh, you know, their, their lunch before may have consisted of the $5 foot long, and uh, that is gone. You know, when McDonald's, uh, you know, the, the meal that you would get uh, would total uh, maybe seven ninety five, And uh, today, you know, that meal at McDonald's is going to be closer to 13 uh, So it is a huge shock. I mean, the food, again, if you haven't been down there since 2019, is, uh, is almost double what it was then just because food prices are going up so fast. I was going to ask, I mean, we've talked about uh, a lot of the uh, issues that restaurants uh, have been dealing with and trying to keep up with the rising cost of food. But with some of these restaurants downtown that did rely on the lunch crowd that managed to make it this far, um, is there some attempt to kind of make off for lost revenue from 2020 and 21? Absolutely. I think uh, before, when restaurateurs looked at their menu, they were very reluctant to raise prices because, again, that same commuter ate at the same restaurant all the time. They knew the price. Uh, people coming back down, the restaurateur can no longer uh, live on such small margins as fast as food is going. And uh, they are not shy right now about raising prices. And for the most part, uh, the consumer understands it because they're seeing it at the grocery store in the gas tank. Is there some concern, at least as far as the uh, lunch spots in downtown Chicago uh, are concerned, um, that uh, maybe lunchflation will uh, send people back home? Well, if it doesn't send them home, it certainly may change how they order. Uh, they may end up ordering uh, less food. They may end up ordering just a sandwich and not fries and bringing their own drink from home. And very often it's that that drink and that side of fries that drives the profit uh, for the restaurant tour. So those are the options. And, and certainly uh, I think people may say, you know, it's going to be a little cheaper for me to just stay home an extra day because then I don't have to pay for lunch. 
Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, keeping inflation and challenging economic times in perspective. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio. WBBM, an elementary school massacre in Texas, once again raises questions about access to guns. A special report coming up from CBS News. Personal Finance Wednesday, keeping an eye on the economy and investments without overreacting. And the price of natural gas hits a 14-year high. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is down 27 points. The Nasdaq is up 68 and the S&P 500 is up 9. AccuWeather says mainly cloudy, breezy, becoming more humid with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm today. Any thunderstorm can be heavy. A high today of 73. We have 66 degrees at 1231. CBS News Special Report. Still no word on why an 18-year-old attacked an elementary school in Texas, killing 21 people. Lieutenant Chris Oliveras is with the State's Department of Public Safety. The shooter was able to make entry into a classroom, barricaded himself, and at that point, I just started shooting children and teachers that were inside that classroom, having no regard for human life, just a complete tragedy and an evil person. Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy dealt with Sandy Hook 10 years ago and says Congress needs to pass tougher gun laws. Listen, no secret that I think these assault weapons designed to kill human beings as quickly as possible have no place in civilized society, but I'm willing to compromise. And some victims in Texas still need more blood. It's really devastating. I think all of Texas is probably pretty heartbroken right now. Callan Hale drove from Austin to donate blood after seeing the call for help on social media. Uh, It's unfortunate, but what it's used for. George Eisenhofer also donated. CBS News special report. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed this afternoon. We're joined by Lance Roberts, chief investment strategist, RIA Advisors, based in Houston, Texas. The website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Find him on Twitter, at Lance Roberts. Lance, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, After many days of uh, volatile swings in the markets, uh, today is uh, rather subdued. Uh, Why are uh, investors and traders taking taking a breather? Well, a couple of things. First of all, we've had eight straight weeks of selling, and and that's a very long streak for the index going back to 1928. You know, it's always in the middle of these, you know, sell-offs in the markets that we just kind of think it's going to continue indefinitely. And that's not generally the case. But the one thing that's going on right now is that markets are now beginning to switch their view from this inflation run that we've had over the last few months to now looking at weaker earnings growth. And and if you look at what's going on with 10-year Treasury yields, those have been coming down. 
suggesting inflation is now behind us. Markets are beginning to kind of stabilize here a bit, I think, because earnings have already come down, estimates have come down, and now if we do have weaker inflation, that's actually kind of supportive for stocks at these current levels. What's kind of interesting is looking at the uh, S&P 500 performance and the NASDAQ performance uh, on, a, on a linear graph, and you see that sudden drop in March of 2020, and then that sudden rise uh, in April of 2020 and beyond, and then once again the sell-off starting in January of 2022. And what's interesting to see is that it's starting to land at where the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ would have been if things continued on a linear basis without COVID in March of 2020. Well, no, and that's exactly right. And, and that's a great observation, by the way, and something we've been talking about lately as well is that, you know, markets tend to grow over time at about 6 7% on an annual growth rate. And, you know, we had some bumps along the way. March 2020, we shut down the economy, and then we liquefied the markets with just trillions of dollars worth of liquidity, which created that massive run in markets that we all enjoyed a whole lot. But now that liquidity is gone. So markets are just returning back to where they should have been had been for that influx of liquidity. And, and, and I know it's painful for investors right now, and that's important, but it's important also not to lose sight of the fact that the market up 120 percent from markets are still up about 15 percent from the March 20 peak. So you know, keep this in perspective. Be, be panic selling. I know it's tough now, but you know things stabilize here over the next few months. We can have some opportunity to buy things at prices. It's very interesting that you note that uh, uh, some of the analysts say, you know, we're now moving on from inflation to the economy actually slowing down, um, which is what the Fed and what a lot of people wanted to cure inflation. Uh, what what are the signs that inflation might be slowing down? Because the CPI prints and the producer price prints and core CPI, it's still you're, you're still going to have headlines that begin with not since the early 1980s, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly right. But look, if you take a look at what's going on with durable goods orders today as, as, as an example, take a look at retail inventories. They're at record highs. Amazon just recently reporting earnings, talking about inventory levels are too high. So what that means is, is that we have a supply-demand imbalance. As demand begins to slow down in the economy, this increase in supplies will lead to lower prices. Now, to your point, it's going to take a while to bring down that 8% inflation rate back down to 3 or 4%. But if we just get back to a normal trend growth of inflation over the, the rest of this year, inflation will have fallen to 5.5%. So inflation will come down simply by a function of slowing economic growth, slowing pressure in terms of, 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 of consumer purchasing. The risk here and the thing we've got to be careful of, and I don't want to take the eye off, uh, you know, off the markets, is that if the Fed hikes too quickly and breaks something, that's the risk that puts the economy into a recession later this year. So the really kind of be paying attention to what the Fed's doing, that's going to be an important thing. Lance Roberts, Chief Investment Strategist with RIA Advisors based in Houston, Texas. The website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Find them on Twitter, at Lance Roberts. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, keeping inflation and economic turmoil in perspective. Discussing the news affecting your money. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. It can be a challenge not to worry or even panic in a period of economic turbulence and crippling inflation. Let's get some perspective from Shane Gornick, partner and certified financial planner. Forefront Financial Planning, based in Downers Grove. The website, preparemyretirement.com. Shane, thanks for joining us this afternoon. How many phone calls are you fielding right now from jittery clients saying, what is going on with the markets and how can I protect my portfolio? And what do you tell them uh, just about the current uh, trends in the stock market and elsewhere? Thanks, Rob. Well, uh, my phone is definitely ringing off the the hook more so than usual. Uh, What we are telling them, though, is that the market does always recover, at least it has historically. And the issue is you never know when exactly it's going to recover. Uh, So the average length of a bear market, uh, and we aren't in one yet, but uh, if we were to be in one, the average length of a bear market is about a year, and that loss is about 36%. Uh, But we want to put things in perspective. Uh, So the last bear market that we had was in March of 2020, That one lasted one month and took less than three weeks to recover. Uh, The big bear market before that was between 2007 and 2009, and that one lasted for 18 months. Uh, So the big moral of the story is, although there's an average for how long it takes to recover, when it does recover or covers quickly, and when it does happen, you want to make sure that you're in the market and able to benefit from that. Uh, so that you don't lock in the loss that you made. By ho- Unfortunately, people do things rash sometimes and sell out of the market, and then they miss that opportunity to make that money back. And not to toot uh, my own horn or that of our producer, Andy Gersher, but I do believe on the Noon Business Hour we have followed uh, all of these trends and all of these outside forces that have roiled the market over the course of the year in a rather measured way. But if you just experience the world uh, via Facebook or Twitter or other social media, uh, you can get the sense that maybe the world is in a perpetual state of collapse, and that could be on literally any subject. That, that is correct, and it's and it's also hard when you're hearing that, uh, whether it's on uh, news or social media or the radio, and, and hearing that the sky is falling, and especially when you see your 401k turn into a 201k, uh, it's far easier said than done to just say, oh, stick it out, oh, don't make any major moves or sell out of the market altogether. Uh, but, you know, like we said, the market, when it comes down this much or even more than this much, it does come back. And, and you don't always know when it's going to be. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be. If I knew, I wouldn't be here. I'd be on some island somewhere sipping an umbrella drink. But, um, and, and, but uh, it, it does come back. And also, with a lot of the other things that we're dealing with right now, whether it's high gas prices or even the threat of an interest rate hike, all of that stuff eventually ends. Um, 14 years ago, there was a, a run-up in gas prices, and they were the highest they had ever been, and then they eventually came down. Um, our parents have stories about buying homes at an 18% interest rate or a 20% interest rate because interest rates were raised to incredibly high levels to crush inflation. And that seemed like a never-ending crisis that eventually ended. So all of these various things that we're dealing with right now, whether it is high gas prices, uh, the threat of higher interest rates, inflation, and even the war in Ukraine, that's all going to come to an end eventually. That's right. And, and again, when you're in the middle of it and you're seeing 
you're experiencing high gas prices, you're watching the news, you're seeing what's going on uh, in, in Ukraine, it, it, it's hard uh, a lot to be optimistic. But same thing to your point, Rob, what you said before, uh, with gas prices 14 years ago, with interest rates at 20% uh, for mortgages, uh, you know, in, in the 80s, uh, it never, it seemed bad at the time. And uh, before long, things recovered, came back to normal, and uh, life went on. And the, the, the sky might have seemed like it was falling, but it wasn't. And Shane, very quickly, how much of, uh, uh, of your job when it comes to being a financial planner, uh, what are, what are the, what's the mixture of uh, knowledge of the markets and financial trends uh, versus the uh, listening skills of a psychologist or bartender? Oh, boy. Uh, you're going to put me on the spot and, and give you a percentage. <laughs> I don't know if I can, but um, uh, I, I guess one of the one of the good phrases uh, would be "all things will pass," uh, whether whether things are good or things are bad. When the market is great, it will end at some point, as we're seeing now. And when the market is bad, that shall come to pass, and that will end as well. Uh, and so, a big part of our job is when things are great to not let people get too excited about how great things seem. And when things are bad, to help talk people off the ledge and help people realize it's not as bad as it is and it will eventually recover. Uh, how long and how quickly, I don't know, uh, but, uh, but it will happen. Shane Gornick, partner and certified financial planner with Forefront Financial Planning based in Downers Grove. The website, preparemyretirement.com. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, an update on the surge in the price of natural gas. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The price of natural gas has hit its highest level in more than a decade. We're joined by Phil Flynn, senior market analyst with The Price Group and a Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Phil, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, what is the current state of the market for natural gas uh, in the United States, and how much of the price uh, run-up is driven uh, by supply disruptions from the war in Ukraine? Um, I think it's all part and parcel of the same story, but let's face it, the natural gas market uh, is hitting the highest level since 2008 uh, because the United States is not producing as much um, and uh, because our storage deficit is the lowest it's been uh, in, in, in years. So what we're seeing here is a situation where the world is becoming more dependent on U.S. natural gas. We're exporting record amounts to places like Europe, but here in the U.S., our production isn't keeping up with demand. So if you thought gasoline prices were something to worry about, Rob, thank God you don't have an electric car, because if you have to charge that, our electricity prices could be going up because of this natural gas uh, surge. And and natural gas uh, production also went hand-in-hand hand with the uh, fracking revolution in the United States in the previous decade. And as the uh, fracking wells uh, fell silent in 2020, uh, so did U.S. natural gas production. And it's taking a long time to recover. It is. And, you know, what's making it take even a longer time is that 25% of onshore production was actually done on federal lands for natural gas. People don't realize that. So when we put a drilling moratorium and not, you know, drilling on, on federal lands, that's a big source of natural gas that could have been coming online that just isn't there. 
And then you get into the larger issues of, you know, environmental uh, concerns, social governance. You put all that together, you know, we're not building enough pipelines to move the gas. We know the gas is there. The problem is getting it to market, and it's not going to get to market quick enough to, to cool off what could be rising electricity prices this summer. And you do have, uh, in, on the list of uh, supply hammer blows, you sound like the KTEL Records announcer. But wait, there's more. Uh, the drought in the southwest is also reducing hydroelectric uh, power output, and that's being made up by natural gas generation. You're absolutely correct. And, you know, a lot of times you get into this situation where natural gas prices get high. You, you would rely on hydropower. If hydropower isn't there, you'd go to dirty old coal. But the problem is dirty old coal is in tight supplies as well because we're not producing as much of that. And the price of coal is as expensive as natural gas. So there's no free lunch right now when it comes to power generation right now. Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst with The Price Group and Fox Business News Contributor based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.